The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Alexander Sadiq, Dr. Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. infirmary at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, patients and medical professionals alike, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 281. We are so excited you're here. We're back from a little bit of a slight hiatus, which we'll talk about briefly, but uh, I am eager and and pleased to welcome my my co-host, who has... um, I've uh, seen a lot the last couple of weeks by way of um, his sofa <laughs> and binge watching and not doing much else because he's been recovering from uh, from COVID. So he is the uh, the largely recovered Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, good to have you back, buddy. I'm glad you're feeling better. It's it's good to be back. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I had a little bit about COVID after coming back from our trip to Chicago, but uh, I'm feeling great. Luckily, I only had mild symptoms, uh, but unfortunately, I did pass it along to my wife, so she had it as well. Mild symptoms also. Um, and for those of you who have never lost your sense of taste or sense of smell, don't, because it's really weird. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah, but it's great to be here. Great to be back. Uh, yeah, that's why we weren't. Uh, uh, we didn't have an episode last week is because I was a little under the weather, getting over COVID, but uh, I'm all set, ready to go, and ready to talk about all our shenanigans out in the Windy City. Shenanigans. Some would argue that you've never had taste, but and wow. they would be correct in that, that assertion. Especially with my podcast partner. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, wait, I think I chose you, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants, Bill. wow there's the hashtag of the week right there um it's amazing to me still but i did not develop covid i did not test positive Mm -hmm. even after we traveled together all weekend long yeah we uh, you know and on monday when we flew back home we ate at the silver diner in baltimore washington airport Mm -hmm. um sitting across from each other right for like a good 90 minutes and still I did not test positive, so um, I got my second booster before we went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're of the uh, the particular age of of boostering, 
uh, I recommend it highly. Yo, I'm very glad that you didn't get it. I'm glad that uh, that your lovely wife didn't get it. And I'm also glad that everybody that we have were in contact with, everyone has responded back to me, or of the people that have responded back to me, nobody else has tested positive from the people that we met and talked to out in Chicago, which is great. I know there was a, a large amount of people that did get it that I don't know. I don't know who they are. I just know that I just heard that a lot of people did get it. Um, but uh, yeah, thankfully... Uh, or unluckily for me, I was the only one who's gotten it in our in our little circle. So that's good. I'm glad yeah. that it was just me, not anybody else. No, I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. And um, the the most important thing is is that you and your wife are both feeling better and yep. doing better, and and everybody is is very happy for that. A lot of people have asked about how you guys are doing, and we're happy to say that uh, much better is is probably the best description. Yeah, and I'd like to thank all of the people that have reached out. I've gotten several uh, emails and texts and instant messages of people just checking in, seeing how I'm doing, and uh, it's very touching to get th those messages from people. So thank you to everybody who has. Uh, I'm not going to read off the list of names because we'll be here all day, but uh, mm. I was very happy to see those messages and very happy to report that uh, both Sue and I are doing pretty good. Excellent. Well, yeah. You know, we have so much more to talk about with regard to Chicago, uh, not just the fact that you managed to come back diseased. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be joined by uh, by somebody pretty amazing who um, listeners should know a little bit by now and, and can get to know even more. Yeah, absolutely. We're so happy that uh, our good friend uh, Ron Robel is going to be joining us for our discussion on our wrap-up of of Mission Chicago. Of course, the one and only Ron Robel, who is the host of ConPod, a Star Trek Conventions podcast, right here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Uh, first episode dropped right before Chicago. I think he's already had his wrap-up episode uh, over there, episode two, which is great. Uh, he's uh, uh, ahead of the curve, unlike us who are a week behind, but that's my fault. Um, but uh, yeah, yes, it we're is. Gonna, yeah, it is. Uh, so we're going to have him on. I'm going to talk all about it because he was able to do a lot of things that we didn't get to do because we were at the booth all weekend. So it'll be great to get that uh, conversation going. Looking forward to it because uh, God knows the company right now isn't what it should be. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that casting aspersions at me is the way to go there. I, I said Dan. it. <laughs> That's funny that my old boss used to call me that too. Really? Yeah. I had a I mean, cough. A couple of years ago, I had a cough that was constant. It wasn't a cold or anything. It was just a cough. And he started calling me Typhoid Dan. Well, maybe you should stop spreading disease. I think that's really the lesson <laughs> to take. They, I, think I'll, I think I'll take that advice. Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And, you know, one of the absolute highlights of Mission Chicago was reuniting with them, our dear friends, after three years. Yeah. And experiencing a convention again with them. Yeah, you can say that again, man. It was absolutely awesome. What a great weekend. It was so great to hang out with John and Lou and Amity and Joe and everybody over at the Fansets table. It was so great seeing what a successful weekend they had. And why wouldn't they? They had amazing new pins available at Chicago. And you can get them all right now at fansets.com. All three of the special Mission Chicago pins are now available. And I got to tell you, man, the Enterprise D with that Chicago skyline and yes, glitter, it's farking gorgeous. You're going to love it. And in <laughs> addition to those three Chicago pins, the Admiral Cluster pin from Star Trek II is now available. That was a surprise to us when we got to Chicago. And also... 
the first in a brand new line of pins called the Master Ships. It's the Star Trek XL Enterprise 1701A. Now, these new pins are huge. And, and right under the ship is their respective dedication plaque, which can actually be, be positioned to act as a stand for the ship so you can put it on your desk. If you don't want to do that, that's okay. This is so cool because as an added bonus, there are magnets on the back of each section of this pin. So you can place it on your wall, your fridge, or any other metal surface, like maybe even Bill's forehead. It's awesome. Wait, wait a second. Like Bill's forehead? Yeah, you got a metal plate in your head. Wow. Well, at least I see that's how, how you act. I see how this is going to go. Okay. So you know what I'm going to say? Head on over to, or, or maybe forehead on over to fansets.com. Put those Mission Chicago pins or the new Mastership Enterprise in your cart and at checkout. Be sure to enter the special discount code word TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces for 10% off your entire order. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30 on fansets.com, you'll automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Okay, so folks, you've heard me say this before. If you haven't checked out the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division, then you are really missing out. Really missing yes. out. I mean, this officially licensed Tribble is just an amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, which we know you're going to want to add to your Star Trek collection. You and I both have one, Dan, and we truly love our Tribbles. You know, so much work and creativity went into creating the triple right down to the softest fur you can possibly imagine. Plus, I mean, you know, this is what we expect as Star Trek fans. The sounds the triple makes straight out of the original series. Mm -hmm. You were going to swear this triple was delivered straight from Space Station Kate 7 right to your door. Absolutely. And, and plus the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. I watched them use it in Chicago and it was awesome. I could even do it. Uh, it's not necessary, but it is a lot of fun to make your Tribble scream at people like annoying podcast co-hosts. Fret not, however, everyone, everyone except Bill knows, you know what I'm going to say. It's coming right now. Tribbles are not dangerous though, so be you're fine. Yeah. Sorry. No, but you are. No, you're not. You're dangerous. you're dangerous. There you go. Yeah. So head on over to sciencediv.com right now to pick up one of the galaxy's first interactive dribbles for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessory section where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag, like t-shirts or mugs or even the legendary Science Division tote bag. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi. Dr. Phil Flocks here, also known as John Billingsley. I volunteer for the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific meals to the unhoused seven nights a week. We assist a hundred nonprofits with their food needs. We work with community partners to address food insecurity in Southern California. If you're in LA, come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. Dan, here we are. Mm -hmm. We're mostly recovered from Chicago. One of us a little more than the other. 
<laughs> don't don't die, Dan. Sorry, don't sorry. die. I, I won't. I won't. Um, but uh, we figure we should talk about this first official Star Trek convention in almost three years, and mm. luckily we happen to have just the right person to break it down with us. Oh, just the right person, indeed. Yeah. Um, people know him as Mister Convention, actually, which is kind of cool. And now. He is a member of the family on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. He is Ron Robel. He is the host of ConPod, which is the newest podcast here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Ron, welcome to Trek Geeks again. It's great to see you, buddy. Woohoo. It is great to be here, finally getting all caught up on rest from Chicago. <laughs> is there such a thing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a. I feel like the weekend flew by insanely fast. Granted, it was only a a three-day con, but even then, it, it was just, it was gone before you know it. Absolutely. I've always said it seems like Vegas is sometimes too long at five days. This time, three days is definitely not enough. So maybe Vegas this year, four days will be perfect. That's what I'm hoping. I, uh, I, I, I've always thought that five days was a little bit too long and seemed just like they were just trying to get the fifth day out of us. But I, I felt like, uh, I feel like four days is kind of the, the sweet spot for that Vegas con. But enough about Vegas. Let's talk about the windiest of cities in the United States and Chicago. Um, Ron, I'm guessing that uh, uh, you are like the rest of us uh, that didn't come down with COVID while you were in Chicago. It was just Dan that was diseased. Wow. Correct. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There was one souvenir I couldn't afford in the vendor's room. It was just, it was too much for me. Yeah. I just, I didn't do any shopping in the vendor's room, which is uncharacteristic for me. And that's probably how I didn't get sick, Dan. I didn't really do a lot of shopping either in the vendor's room, but I was walking around a lot and talking to people. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I was at the booth, so I think I, I know where this went wrong for uh, me. Uh, well, I think maybe it went right, actually. That's what I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, guys, we had a lot of differences and a lot of changes this year. And I suppose right off the bat, let's talk about the schedule. Um, it was, I, I want to say it was a jam packed three days, but it seemed like in many ways it wasn't all that jam packed. Um, and I don't know if that's my perception, Ron, or is that just the way it was? No, I agree. It felt the days were full of programming, but they weren't full of more, you know, there were just two, two theaters, two auditoriums with content. There was a third one that was much smaller that really didn't have content going the full day. Um, and it felt like the main theater, there were a lot of really long breaks between panels. Um, so you would find, you know, it, going into this, I think there was a concern with a lot of people. This isn't a convention where anyone's guaranteed a seat. It's going to fill up. You're going to have to wait in line like a typical Comic-Con and might not get into the, the the panels. And that certainly was not the case. You know, I think some of the busier ones were on the full side, but there was definitely seats in every single panel. It's it's interesting that, that we're talking about whether or not there was a, too much going on and whatnot. And, and, and I do agree with what you're saying there, Ron. There, I've heard from a lot of people that there were empty seats or seats available. I don't want to say empty seats. That sounds kind of negative. But there were seats available in a lot of these uh, in a lot of these panels that were going on. One of the things that I heard from being in the vendor's room the whole time, because we didn't get a chance to really do much outside of the vendor's room, is some people seem to be frustrated that there were things still going on when autographs or pictures were going to be taking place and as a result schedules were delayed and autograph sessions that were supposed to happen didn't happen for like a half hour or 45 minutes later i don't know if that was a scheduling problem or just 
them not having everything together to be able to get people to move in a in a orderly fashion to get from the stage to their autograph booth in time. I really don't know, but I did hear that a couple of times during the weekend. Yeah. And I can't necessarily, I can't imagine what it's like to shuffle around as many guests as they end up having for this thing. It's got to be a challenge to keep everyone on time in the right spot. But I got a couple of autographs where you'd wait 30, 45 minutes and the, the, the talent would just never show up. Um, and the oh, handlers wow. didn't wow. have answers. The last day, there was no actual schedule for autograph times. It was just kind of when they're at their booth, they're there. Um, so I know it's a challenge to schedule this stuff, but there were a lot of instances of just the schedule didn't include the, the, the photo autographs like it should. Photo ops were fantastic, but the autographs were really hard to schedule and follow. Interesting. I, I feel like of the slate of panels, I feel like it was a much different convention than probably we're used to. I mean, historically, we're used to cast panels, and we got some of those, but we got some heavier and deeper panels, and I'm not just talking about our panel, which was the last one on Sunday, which I don't want to say we closed the show, but, you know, we closed the show. <laughs> um, but it, it seemed like there was a lot more thought that went into some of these panels instead of, well, let's just get some guest stars together and talk about Star Trek. Well, I think that's one of the things that, uh, I'll jump in first, one of the things that I thought was interesting with this one, uh, and it may have happened in past Vegas ones, but maybe I just didn't pay attention to it more uh, enough. It seems that a lot of the panels that were put together for this convention had a lot of fan uh, interaction. A lot of the, a lot yeah. of people like us did them. And I think maybe that's something that's new to a lot of people because I mean, we're so passionate about this. It's one thing to get a bunch of stars up there to talk about their experience, but it's another thing to get fans talking about their love and how they immerse themselves in the universe. And I think that might be something that we saw more of in this convention than we have in others. I could be completely wrong, but that's just my perception, Ron. I'm not sure what you think. No, absolutely. And, you know, you, some of the more popular events were in that. There were, I think, three theaters total. There was the main one, which was huge. Um, the smaller one that you guys finished in, an awesome finish to the convention with your panel. Um, and then there was that middle-sized room that had the LGBT um, presentation on the first day. It had the Jackie Cox drag show. Um, and those were two of the panels I attended that were absolutely full, standing room only. Nice. Um, so you saw a lot more of fan-led events, a lot more um, inclusive events. It was really a nice nice sight to be seen. Well, you know, and I got to say right off the bat, I mean, you brought up the, the Jackie Cox drag show. That's something you've never seen at, a, at an official Star Trek convention before. And what a great addition to the schedule. I have to say, they really kind of knocked it out of the park with that. Yeah. Oh, seriously. She was incredible. The Just her dress in the beginning, the sequined science uniform from TOS. Um, she did a Counselor Troy cosplay at number one. I mean, her, her performance was incredible. I'm rewatching season 12 of RuPaul now just to see, see her on the show. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, um, oh, wow. See, now I'm going to have to watch. I'm going to have to add that to my, my binge list now. I mean... <laughs> Okay, twist my arm. <laughs> I um I, I do feel like that in many ways the schedule was a level up this year. But I think the downside is is that they relied pretty heavily on fans to do it. I don't know if that's because they didn't have their ducks in a row or because they didn't necessarily plan it out. Uh, I don't know about you guys, and Dan, maybe we'll start with you. I'm inclined to believe, based on everything else we've seen that we'll get into, that perhaps it wasn't planned out as well as maybe it should have been. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that was one of the unfortunate parts of this convention. And I'm not saying it was a bad convention at all. It was, right. We had a fantastic time. But 
I think from Reed Pop's standpoint, they dropped the ball many times during the preparation for getting this thing ready to go. I don't think that, I don't know, it's the chicken and the egg. Do you announce yeah. all of these people hoping that you get a lot of fans showing up? Or do you wait to announce all these people? And then because you've announced so many big names right at the end, you're just going to get this influx of people. And it could have backfired. Um, and as we saw, we saw weeks and weeks and weeks of nothing, not an announcement to be seen. And then all of a sudden, we were just getting top billing people added like every single day. And I think that's just one example where, surprisingly, because Reed Pop does such a great job with other conventions with Star Wars and stuff like that, it seemed like things were kind of a mishmash and completely disorganized um, for this one. That said, they pulled it off. It was a great show, but I, but as we've already talked about, there were some things that were clearly seen as being a little bit of a question mark as to what was going on. Ron, do you concur with that? 100%. It was, there was a lot done at the last minute. And as you can tell, you know, I have a convention podcast. I plan ahead for these things. You do? Uh, and it was what? so that? hard. <laughs> you know, I usually three weeks out have all my pictures printed. I'm going to have autographed. I've got everything lined up. Three weeks out from this one, I don't think half of the guests had been announced yet. Um, and even convention of Noelle Wells, I don't know if she was announced until the event happened. Um, Celia Rose Gooding, same. It's It was a challenge to plan in advance, but they pulled it off. It was a fantastic convention. It was top tier. Um, just to, anytime you walk into a facility and you see that giant Delta right in front of you, you know, it's going to be a good couple days. Yeah, yeah that's pretty true. So let me, I'm going to ask you guys for two different letter grades here. I'm going to ask you for a letter grade on the schedule planning and then a letter grade on the event, what, what we got in the end, you know, the end product. Um, and, and Ron, we'll, we'll start with you. What did you, how, if you had to give it a letter, A, B, C, D, F, um, and you can so, feel free to go plus minus, how would you feel about the, the, the planning of the schedule? Was it too complex? Were there too many conflicts? How would you rate it? The planning, I'm going to just preface this by saying about a month out, I was contacting some friends down in Orlando saying, I don't know if this convention is going to happen. Um, I'm going to be coming down to Orlando to visit you instead. So from that perspective, I would give the planning of this thing a D. You know, it was so hard to plan in advance. Um, but the final execution, gosh, they did a great job. I would give it a B plus. You know, wow. the panels were good. At the end, the talent was great. Um, my only complaint from the talent was there was no not a lot of TNG representation. Um, but other than that, you had great representation from from most of the cast. So I thought it was all in all a great convention. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I agree with that. And and I know that there was a there was a convention in Philly, I think, the same weekend, which did have a lot of TNG. So that may have been why that was going on. But um I, I'm I'm pretty close with with Ron on the grades, uh, Bill. I would say that um from a planning perspective, now it's a little difficult to really give it a a, a grade based on what I was able to see because as we've talked about, we were in the vendors room ninety-nine percent of the time. We yeah. were there pretty much all the time, either in the booth or walking around. Based on everything that happened prior to the convention and things that I had heard during the convention and and scheduling issues i would have to say maybe a, a c minus slash d plus uh for the planning stages but as ron said they were able to pull stuff off and and the end result i think there were a lot of very happy people with the with for those who attended the convention so i'd give the, i'd give it a solid b for for the overall experience at the con interesting i i think those are really great ratings on both counts for for planning, I'm going to give it a solid D minus. Um, I heard from a number of people all weekend long that it was there were too many competing panels up against each other of really good content. 
there were too many times where Ron, as you mentioned earlier, you know, autographs were happening and there was other things going on and it was kind of hard to plan that out. So I, I think that for a company that has done conventions before, I, I have to believe that they can do better than this. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it's add an extra day or, or ex- maybe start the convention a little earlier in the morning and, and get some of this stuff ironed out. So a D minus for planning. For the end product and execution, I'm going to give it a B minus. So I think we've, we've hit the range on B grades here. Yep. Um, I think that ultimately people enjoyed what they saw. Um, although it was, it was kind of tough to get to some things. Um, even just the scheduling of some of the, like, well, if you take our panel and I'm not basing my rating on our panel, but ours was probably one of the most serious and, and weighty panels of the convention. I'm glad they held it for Sunday afternoon, but I think that impacting and putting right up against a living legend like Walter Koenig mm-hmm. certainly affected attendance. Now I understand they can't take that into account always, but you know, when you have a panel like that, that's never been done at a convention. Um, I, I think that, that, that maybe you kind of schedule it a little differently. So a solid B minus for me, which I think is ultimately a fair grade. Sure. Oh, I absolutely agree. It, it is fair based on the things that we've had heard and, and, and we talked about with other people, both, both, uh, fans and vendors alike. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think that's a very solid grade. It, like you said, B plus B and B minus. So we're all pretty much on the same page. Yeah. I think ultimately it's going to average out to somewhere in the B category yeah. and that's fine. So, yeah. So let's talk about the vendor hall. Um, a lot of reactions from fans about the vendor hall. Um, a lot of people saying it looked pretty empty. Um, and a lot of people saying that it looked pretty, pretty awesome. A pretty wide array of vendors. Mm-hmm. But it, Ron, you know, you've, you're Mr. Convention, man. I mean, you've been to a lot of conventions. What did you think of the vendors hall as far as the number of vendors and the traffic in there? I think it's hard to really judge that that space was huge. Yeah. You know, when you look at other conventions, the vendors room, it's a good size, but that room was absolutely ginormous. Um, So there were, there were a lot less vendors. The vendors that were there, I think were much higher quality. Um, And I think I I really liked and appreciated kind of the few exhibits that were there. I think there could have been a lot more exhibits, um, but the strange new worlds walk through with the uniforms, the costumes, being able to walk through that and having that in the vendor's room was different. Um, the Picard exhibit, the prop store booth being out there with their props that they'll be auctioning out was kind of cool to see. It felt more of an exhibit than an actual vendor. Um, but I know all that yeah. stuff's going up for auction mm-hmm. pretty soon. Um, so all in all, you know, I think it was, I've been to Megacon a few times, which is down in Orlando. And that I think had a very similar vendor's room that you've got the autographs all on one side of the wall. Um, and vendors spread throughout. So I, I thought it was great. You know, there could have been more. Um, the crowds were hard to judge as well. I think Friday and Sunday, the crowds were a lot lighter. Saturday felt much busier. Um, so when you were up on the food court, which was up on the second level there, you could look down and see the whole vendors hall. Um, those first couple days, it's, or Friday and Sunday seemed so quiet. Um, but Saturday was bustling. There were people everywhere. Dan, on Saturday, you and I started our day at 9 a.m. in the vendor's room. Yeah. And we were busy. We were wall to wall until 3 p.m. when we finally got a break to actually go get something to eat. Right. Um, We were in that room all weekend long. What did you think of the vendor experience based on the conventions you've been to previously? I'm going to base it just on Vegas because my last convention before Vegas was like back in the 80s at the Holiday Inn in Nashua. So I'm really, there's really nothing I can compare it to. John Delancey was there. Um, 
the Vegas vendor room and the Vegas and the vendor room in Chicago are are on opposite sides of the spectrum. The vendors room in Chicago was gigantic, like Ron said. So even though it was busy on especially Saturday, I felt it was a little busy on Friday too, but Sunday was much lighter. Even though it was busy on those days, even at the busiest time, it didn't feel nearly as busy as the lightest day in Vegas. In the vendors room in Vegas, you're like pressed up against people. You're moving around. You got to like squeeze in between people because there's so much going on there. No matter how busy it was in Chicago, there was always room to move around because it was, things were so spaced out, not spaced out like me, but spaced out. Um, So in that aspect, I thought it was great. Like Ron said, I love the Strange New World exhibit being there. The skulls, the actual ones used in episode two of Picard were there. So I was freaking out the day they were set up and I got to go before they put the stanchions up. So I was really excited about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that was very cool. They had alcohol in the vendor's room. Oh, good Lord God. Yeah, they had yeah. alcohol there. You could buy drinks while you were in the vendor's room. And for people that are in the vendor's room all day like we were, that was very, very nice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> from a perspective of the vendors, I thought it was great. As as terrible and awful as I think the main thing that was being sold is that NFT garbage, and that's just my personal opinion. I don't yep, think it's yep. anything for Star Trek. That was the most amazing vendor booth I may have ever seen. The amount of money that must have been put into that thing to make it look the way it did and sound was phenomenal. But then you had great other vendors, like Fansets, of course, was five and six people deep all weekend long. XO6, Star Trek Wines, um, Science Division, all of our friends and people that we've talked to before, um, that have great products to sell were there and they were doing a great job and their products are so awesome. It makes, I could have easily spent $10,000 over the weekend if I wanted to just on XO six characters alone. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. it, it, it was really good to see such a wide variety of vendors um, and shows in the same room. Whereas in Vegas, you kind of have to be going all over the place for autographs and photos and, and, and shows and stuff like that. So I kind of liked the idea that it was, it was smack in one place. I do kind of like the fact that there was one-stop shopping there, the photo ops, the autographs, and the vendors hall, all in the same gigantic space. Yeah. I think that that was a huge plus for the convention. Um, the day that we arrived for the con, because we arrived Thursday to set up, Mm-hmm. We were told by another vendor who will remain nameless. It's not someone we'd met, we'd known before the show, that there were a good 10 to 12 vendors who had pulled out of the convention because of communication from ReadPop and specifically their COVID 19 protocols because they did not inform vendors until about 72 hours before the event that they were going to require vaccinations for vendors. Mm-hmm. And of course, that set some people up against the eight ball. So, I personally think that the vendors hall, as far as population of vendors, was slightly anemic compared to other shows. I think with a dozen more vendors, I think that there would have been a lot more going on. Granted, we lucked out and got a slightly better spot because of it in the Mm -hmm. the vendors hall. But, you know, you know that there were companies who could have shown up and and didn't because ReadPop didn't communicate. I think that that's a, a huge thing. Now, I will say... The selection of the vendors that were there was a pretty great cross section of Star Trek licensees and vendors. absolutely, yep. you know, Dan, you mentioned some of these. There was Star Trek Unlimited. Unlimited, that was there. yep. There were fan tables, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the guy next to us who who had a, has a toy store in Georgia, selling yep. models all weekend long. He did a, a fantastic amount of business. 
But, you know, you had those photo ops that were there. So you could sit in the captain's chair for Prodigy mm -hmm. or for Strange New Worlds Sorry, cool. and get a green screen photo taken. You know, you could tour the exhibits like you mentioned. So overall, I, I think it was not a bad vendor's experience. I think there could have been a little more decoration. Yes. You know, because- Little trap. Yeah, it, it was a little, it was a little- you know, kind of generic, honestly. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, in Vegas, they have like the transporter photo op, which you could have, you know, they have banners everywhere. And I feel like they could have added a few more bells and whistles to make it look more like an event instead mm -hmm. of just a trade show. Right. Um, Cause that's really the feeling it kind of had for me. That's a good way to put it. One of the things I also wanted to point out guys, and I know we talked about this a little bit. This was my first time getting photo ops at a convention other than Vegas. Epic does an amazing job. I was stunned that I yeah. took my picture with Annie mm -hmm. and 10 seconds later, I had the photo in my hand. That that didn't hap That doesn't happen in Vegas. It's like the next day or something. And then you have to figure out, am I going to be able to get a, this autograph by that person? Because who knows if they're going to be there tomorrow. The fact that they have those printers right there printing stuff out for you, I was extremely impressed by. So I was able to get Annie to sign my picture and I was very happy. That was a huge level up, Ron. Uh, you know, the ability to get your photo within minutes of having it taken and then get it signed. I, I think that's amazing. You got more yeah. than a few photos signed, if I if memory serves. <laughs> I, you know, it, my husband texted me halfway through. He's like, you're getting so many pictures. Everything okay up there? Um, it's just, it's, <laughs> Epic is amazing. They are so, so, so easy to work with. Um, not only do you get the, the printed picture, but the JPEG is in your phone right away, which makes it really fun and easy to post to social media. And I told him, yep. Didn't get any more pictures. I can just post them to social media this time. I'm not taking a picture of an 8x10. Um, their organization was incredible. Their app, the website, was really easy to use. You could change things up. You could trade different um, photo ops. It was Epic is really on top of things. I would love to see them at more conventions. Um, the selfies yeah, and the tables were fun. Having been to Vegas last August, it was nice to have a little bit more lax COVID protocols. Um, Dan, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, oh, sorry, it's your I, fault. <laughs> only one picture that I took did we actually have the plexiglass. A couple of them did some social distancing, but a lot of them were right up close. Michelle Hurd got a great big hug from her, Alexander Siddig. Um, so that was nice, too. It makes for a, a greater photo. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned the COVID protocols, and uh, there was some consternation from some folks with some of the photo ops. And Specifically, I'm going to call out the George Takei photo op um, because apparently he wanted 10 feet of distance, mm -hmm. which made for an awfully weird photo op. Non-personal. Yeah, very non-personal. Now I get it. I mean, George is older. He has to take precautions. Mm -hmm. I totally understand. But the 10 feet to a lot of people seemed like, well, couldn't he put up plexiglass? Couldn't he insist on masks? Um, and I understand because, you know, when you look at some of those pictures, there's all this real estate in the middle where it winds up taking a, a huge signature. Yeah. Now, okay, but yeah, there is the impersonability factor. So um, I guess as far as grades on the vendor hall, I guess I would grade it on overall experience. Um, uh, forgetting the fact that that entire NFT BS was there. <laughs> um, the booth was pretty fantastic and cool. Uh, I'm not, that's not really included in my rating, but for the vendors that were there and the interactions you got to have, I have to give the vendors hall a solid B minus because there is a lot of room for improvement, Ron. There is. I would probably give them a solid B and I'd say the same thing. Lots of room for improvement. Love the variety of vendors, but yeah, it, you need a little bit more. I think if the dozen that had pulled out were there, 
it may have bumped it up to an A minus because it did. It, it felt sparse. I agree, Dan. Yeah, I'm I'm right with Ron. I would give it a solid B. Um, it, it was it was very spacious. There was a lot of room to move. Um, but the, but one of the things now that you you pointed it out, Bill, it's it's stuck in my head. There was barely any decoration in there other than the NFT booth, which we don't even want to talk about. There really wasn't anything in decorations in terms of banners that I can even remember seeing. Now, like you said, in, in Vegas, when it was an official con, they had banners everywhere and they were amazing banners that they would actually auction off at the end of the at the end of the convention there didn't seem to really be that here and also i think that um um i was happy to see food services available in that vendors room also could have been a little bit more variety Um, yeah but i will definitely give it a solid b because there was nothing that was really bad about it i think that's fair Uh, and you bring up a good point about you know the food in Vegas, that's not an option. You have to no. go out into the hotel or go off property mm-hmm. to to get some food. Whereas right there in the vendors hall, there were food carts and there was a food court up on the second level. And yeah. you, there were tables and chairs set up at various places so you could sit down and eat or, or take a break. That I really did appreciate. So yep. um, that is kind of factored into my rating as well. So a, a big part of Star Trek conventions are the celebrities. As you gentlemen will remember, there were like a handful of announcements up front. Will Wheaton was the first guest announced last April. Right. And then they announced a few more. And the website had five or six people for a good uh, seven months before they started adding more. Um, ultimately, how did you feel about the array of celebrities we got, Ron? Um, certainly a much smaller guest list than Vegas. Do you feel like it lived up to the hype that you would expect for an official convention? At the end, yes. I'm one of those, I have, I keep a list of each convention of who I want to see. And generally I'll try to keep it around eight people. Um, so it, if there's somebody there that I haven't seen, that's not something that I get too excited about, they're going to make the list. And with this convention, I filled those eight spots up very quickly with people I had never seen before that I would consider top tier people. Um, you know, I really wanted to get autographs from some of the show leads. Um, so having a lot of them there, Anson Mount, Kate McGrew, uh, Tawny Newsom, Jack Quaid, all good showrunners who were there that had a great presence, great panels, and great interactions. Um, I think the autographs and photo ops I did this time around, much different from other conventions in that it, they weren't rushed at all. You know, the lines were very slow because the talent was taking their time talking to and hugging and just generally having fun with the fans, which was really nice to see. Dan, what do you think? I mean, you know, you you got some pictures and some autographs this particular weekend. Obviously, we didn't see any panels, but we were very aware of the guest list. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think as far as the array of guests and, and did it live up to what you would hope for in an official con? Um, I think that once they got the ball rolling, absolutely. Um, I was very impressed with the names that they announced towards the uh, final couple of weeks before the convention actually took place. Um, We've talked about this a little bit, Bill, is it seems that this convention was more geared toward the new Trek, the Discovery, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds, and and all the new shows. Um, And I think that's fantastic because there's a whole new generation of fans that are coming in to learn about Star Trek. And there there was a great amount of of quote-unquote legacy Trek people there as well. So um, I think it was not as even. I think there was more new Trek there, but that's fine. I mean, that's what's that's what's going on right now. Um, but I have to agree, the ability to talk to these celebrities 
um, was not rushed at all. Um, I had a great conversation with Annie. I had a great conversation with Nana. It's always great to see Nana. And of course, Doug Jones is one of the most wonderful human beings on the planet Earth. And he'll sit there and talk to you for an hour <laughs> if you want to. Um, so, it has. Um, yeah. And has. Um, so I really think that the, um, the amount of big names and new Trek shows that they brought in really, really was a successful part of this convention. I was very, very, very impressed with that. You know, I have to agree with that part. I mean, uh, granted, I still think that, you know, if, if you're going to have a Strange New Worlds panel and you're going to have Anson Mountain, Rebecca Romaine uh, there, you know, as part of, of, of a panel, you have to have them there for photo ops and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a really big missed opportunity. There were a lot of people who were disappointed in that. Yeah. Um, in addition to things like the notable absence of TNG actors when they had a year to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. Um, granted the selection of people that we got was fantastic. I mean, we had Kate Mulgrew. I mean, amazing. We had people like, you know, Nana and, and Sid, you know, and a whole bunch of other people from some of the shows. I I feel like they could have added a lot more. I mean, we didn't have Wilson Cruz from discovery. He was the only member of space family that wasn't even invited to the Mm -hmm. con. That's just weird. There was a lot of weirdness. So, you know, I, I think that, and with Vegas, they usually top out over a hundred guests, which let's be honest, it's amazing. And it's a little bit unreal. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, they get a lot of, you know, backstage behind the camera folks. And it's awesome. They get a lot of single shot guest stars, which is fantastic, but they have more series regulars really than most other cons. And I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity for Repop. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that that same week they announced that the TNG cast would be coming back for Picard season three and they have nobody from the TNG cast. Let me ask you this guys talking about that, especially bill. Do you think that with, with mission Chicago this year and mission, can't even say miss mission Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that that might be read pops play that they're going to focus on, on the newer Trek shows? And I forgot to mention Picard, of course, before, and I don't know why I didn't say Picard, but that's all in the new trick and lower decks. But do you think that that might be their, I don't want to say end game because that doesn't sound right, but do you think that might be what they're purposely steering towards is having a lot of the new stuff and a sprinkling of legacy just to keep it fresh? I think possibly Ron, what do you think? I think, I mean, it's given that it's now the official convention, it makes sense that any input they're getting from CBS Paramount is let's focus on the new shows. That's where their, their money is right now. Um, and you know, it's refreshing. I will say back to the talent thing. One thing I kept holding out for were surprise guests. You know, I was right. in the room in Vegas when we got Sir Patrick Stewart yeah. and that's not something that happens every day, but this convention was marketed as having, it's the exclusive convention. There's going to be a lot of exclusive content. We were reminded several times, don't take pictures of the video screens. You're going to see stuff. No one else is going to see. And we saw some clips. But I think they definitely overpromised and underdelivered on that front because I was expecting some big surprises, um, both in talent and, and announcements. Agreed. And I think that's why the, the TNG cast being absent was a big miss. They had the perfect opportunity to even bring a couple of them out as surprise guests to announce the fact that the TNG cast would be reuniting for Picard season three, mm-hmm. which shook fandom the week before. Right. Um, you know, like Patrick Stewart announcing he's coming back to Star Trek in Vegas, which literally almost brought the house down. You thought they, I thought they would have held that announcement for 
the Chicago con. Yeah. Um, I, now I get it. They wanted to share it with everybody, but they shared the Patrick Stewart announcement with everybody after it was announced at Vegas. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good point, Bill, is like we've talked about, they always would do these big, huge, giant announcements at, at, at San Diego Comic-Con and the official one in Vegas would just be kind of like a, a an yeah, nothing. Yeah. So then we got the Sir Patrick Stewart one, which is, is a moment that the three of us will never forget being in mm. that room. I, I, I agree with you. Not, just thinking about it since you said it, it would have been awesome to have the cast show up as a surprise and then show that clip. I mean, I understand that they did it on Star Trek Day and all that, or First yeah. Contact Day. First but, Contact Day. Um, but, but yeah, um, they have the opportunity, being the official, to really have a oh my god jaw dropping moment. And I got to I got to agree with you now, man. That was that was a very big missed opportunity. Remember, Ron, they announced this con last year on First Contact Day. Mm-hmm. said it was going to celebrate First Contact mm-hmm. Day every year. And then this year, did we not? We didn't even get a mention of First Contact Day. And next year's is in the month of May. On yeah. Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very different. And, you know, it's, again, these exclusive content. I was holding out hope that we're going to get some new show announcement. We're going to maybe get to see the first episode of Strange New World, something along yeah. those lines. Um, and I don't think I was out of, you know, I don't think it was inappropriate to think that because we were promised all these exclusive contents. And again, the clips we got to see, we saw the first scene on the bridge in the Strange New Worlds panel. Amazing. We got to see the cold open for an episode of Strange, or uh, for Lower Decks. Yeah. And it was incredible. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun, but definitely could have had a little bit more. Well, I guess that takes us to rating time. If you think about the celeb experience and taking into account everything we just talked about, um, what would you assign it as a letter grade, Ron? I'd give it a B. The ones that were there were great to interact with. I just wish there had been more of it. But I, even with Vegas as 100 guests, I always want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair because I do too. Uh, Dan, what about you, man? I'm actually going to go kind of high on this one. I'm going to give it an A minus. I was really happy with the people that that showed up. Bonnie from Prodigy. Oh my God, yeah. one of the most one of the coolest people in the entire world. And like I said. This was a this was a major convention. It was mm-hmm. the official one, but it was still smaller in terms of people than we're used to in Vegas, and that allowed the opportunity for us to interact with these celebrities a little longer than we usually would. And I think that was a big plus. So being able to talk to these people that are in Star Trek now, and some of them in Star Trek for the very first time, it was great to have conversations and photo opportunities with them. You know, Dan, you brought up a great point, and I just changed my rating because of it. You know, when we were there in the dealer's room, we got to have long conversations with people like, you know, the creators and producers and and writers of Star Trek Prodigy Mm -hmm. and Bonnie Gordon and others that we saw just walking around. You know, David Ajala, you know, was touring all the booths and saying hi to people. So I have to, I I was going to give it a C plus. I have to give the the experience a bit of a B minus. Room for improvement, but I thought that it was really solid as far as a fan experience with seeing these celebs. Yeah. Honestly. Nice. Well, then that takes us to kind of like our final topic of conversation, and that's Reed Pop itself. I'm trying very hard not to compare them to creation and to really kind of evaluate them in their own merits. This is a company that has run a lot of conventions. In addition to Star Wars Celebration, they run cons all over the country, like Emerald City Comic Con, for example, up in Seattle, where Mission will be next year. And I feel like um, this was, and I don't know because I haven't been to those cons. I feel like this was probably a very different experience 
than some of those other shows, Ron. I see you kind of shaking your head in agreement. Yeah, I, uh, so I, I think they've done some huge conventions. I've been to Florida Supercon down in Miami, which is a read pop event. Um, went there pre COVID. So I think coming into the convention, they had a handicap in that COVID is still there. Um, and nobody knew exactly what it would look like if we would still have masks, if talent would be able to interact with the guests. Um, having said that, I've worked in events and can tell you the biggest selling point that they have for this event is their guest announcements. I, I know a lot of people that sat this convention out because a month out, there was nothing announced. Um, so yeah. having said that, you know, Read Pop has the experience. I don't want to compare them to creation, but the fact they have the experience, they should have done a whole lot better than they did in communication and execution and theming. Um, I would give them a solid D. And if I was with CBS, I would be probably livid at the way that the communication was handled before the event. Final execution was fantastic, um, but leading up to it, it was really... It, it felt like it was their first time doing one of these, which it was for, for the Star Trek missions, but it felt like it was their first convention. Well, yes and no, because they did mission, you know, New York in 2016 right. for the 50th anniversary, which by all accounts was a fairly well-run and well-organized con in the before days. Um, so granted, it's been a while since they've worked with the brand, but, you know, I, I feel like they there's probably more they could have done. Communication was terrible, um, mm. not just with with fans, not just with, you know, for announcements, not just in publishing things like to their website because their Facebook was updated more often than their website ever was, but even communication as a vendor and exhibitor on our end to try to find out even just what our booth number was, was trying to like, it was trying to pull teeth. Um, I, I feel like this was not their best go of things. Now you bring up a great point, Ron, this is really the first kind of big fandom con in a, in, in the tail end of a pandemic, uh, at least that's what I hope it is. Fingers crossed. But I feel like their volunteers even were not trained very well, although they worked their asses off all weekend long mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for every single one of them, but I feel like they just, they missed the boat on almost every part of the experience, Dan. I'm going to preface it with this. Yeah. I would have hated to be a read pop employee over the last four months. Yeah. Because the amount of stress and anxiety and people upset at you was probably on a scale that I could not deal with. Um, <clears throat> you're right. From from vendors, um, probably I can only imagine what celebrities and celebrity agents and stuff like that had to go through with this. I don't want to. I don't want to compare creation with repot, but I'm going to a little bit because that's what I'm most familiar with. I've heard a lot of horror stories about the way creation does stuff. I also have heard a lot of good things. We've had Adam right. on the show and he's fantastic to talk to. And, and he, he does his best to put out the best show possible. Creation nickels and dimes you to death with having to pay for your own freaking printout of your PDF for a ticket and stuff like that. That stuff is irritating. Didn't see stuff like that with Read Pop, but at the same time, there were a lot of things that Read Pop dropped the ball on. And I think that prior to the convention, I mean, and I think that might have turned a lot of people off and given them a negative reaction to the event before it even happened. So even if they went to the convention and had a great time like I did and like you two did, that grade kind of suffers because of the non-buildup to the event itself until right at the last minute. 
Um, so for read pop, I would have to give it, uh, bet- I'm, I'm always, I try to be optimistic with my grades cause they seem to be all <laughs> higher than you guys. Um, but I would have to give it a, a, a C minus, um, uh, probably at best. Now, and the C minus, I mean, when I was growing up, my dad would, if I got a C minus in any of my grades, I'd be like grounded for like six weeks. That's not to say they were horrible because they weren't, but there is so much room for opportunity and growth based on this experience. And Bill, you, you said, you know, you know, this was the first real event um, at the tail end of a pandemic. You would have thought that that would have given them ample time to prepare better. But at the same time, did that kind of handicap them because it was, let's face it, still a pandemic going on and they couldn't right. get stuff done that maybe they needed to. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that Seattle, for those that go to Seattle, it's probably going to be a a, a great experience for them because mm-hmm. they'll probably will have learned their lessons for that. Here's hoping. So Dan, you said C, is that correct? I'd say C minus. C minus. And, yep. and Ron, you said D? I did, yeah. I'm going to go along with D. Um, and at, at points, I, I thought maybe I might go D plus, but um, I, I'm on the verge of D minus with some of the things. So I feel like, um, I was not impressed by read pops execution at any level of this. And I feel like they can only go up. I mean, the only way it gets worse is if they just don't have a show quite frankly. Um, but so let's look at overall, if you had to take a look at, go ahead, Dan. Let me let me bring in one other thing before we get to the next topic, Bill, because yeah. I think it's an important point and Ron actually brought this up. I have no knowledge of this. This is complete speculation on my part. So before anybody starts saying, oh, blah, 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 I got to think that CBS is completely bullshit at Read Pop. I'm just going to say that right out. 4122, Bill. Um, I have to think that they are extremely upset because of that, com- and mainly because of the communication problems. You have to have a an event go off like clockwork when you're dealing with so many celebrities and a company as huge as CBS with a product as big as Star Trek. I can only imagine what the what the execs at CBS are thinking right now. We heard plenty of rumors, which I'm not going to repeat with regard to the relationship between Reed Pop and CBS for this con. Um, it's, I believe, a three-year license. Um, this was year one. I can only hope that for year two, they improve it because I have a feeling if they don't, uh, after year three, we could see it shift again. Um, so I, I, can only, I can only hope that it gets better because fandom deserves it. Read Pop is a company that a lot of people like, that a lot of people have raved about their shows, and I feel like they they have the opportunity to write this. So let's talk about overall experience. Um, if you had to give the entire con, the whole weekend, um, you know, taking into account some of the challenges at the hotels, which we didn't even talk about because this is only, <laughs> you know, the show's only so long. Um, what would you give the entire weekend as a letter grade, Ron? So I love all Star Trek. There's no such thing as bad Star Trek. Uh, right, Star Trek I love more than others. So it, I'm the same with a Star Trek convention. I cannot give an opportunity to see other Trek fans spend a weekend with people in costumes, seeing the talent that portrays these amazing characters, anything less than a B for sure. That's. I think that's ultimately fair. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm right there with Ron. I mean, it was a fantastic weekend. Now, all the things that we said negative about how things may have been handled, we had a fantastic time. It was awesome. We yeah. got to see people we haven't seen in three years. We got to meet hundreds of new people. We got to meet new listeners and old listeners and 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 celebrities that we had never met before. It was fantastic. I got to cosplay, and I absolutely had a fantastic time. The convention was a success. 
I got to give it a B. Wow. Yeah. Solid Bs from the boys. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to be the Debbie Downer. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's in thinking about the things like the challenges with the hotels and the lack of communication and and just trying to find out who we had to give money to to get a damn table. Um, I, as much the thing that saves this from being a complete D for me is seeing our friends again. Um, and making those connections. I mean, to me that's it's a byproduct of the con and it's not the con itself necessarily. So I give the convention as a whole a C minus um, because it just, it was very underwhelming. If, if I'm going to factor in the fact that I saw my friends and, and I, I cried happy tears a good chunk of the weekend, I've got to call it a B or maybe even an A minus. But yeah. for me, I kind of have to separate that out if that makes sense. Let me ask you this, Bill, if I could, because we were on a different side of things than we usually are. We actually were involved in stuff ahead of time because we were in the vendor's room. If we had not been in that aspect of it and we were just going as fans like we've been doing to Vegas, do you think that your opinion would be a little different or would it be the same based on everything that we had happened with us and heard about other things that had happened to others, good or bad? It might actually be a lower grade because I, I have super high expectations for the official con. Okay. Uh, maybe it's because I've been to Vegas so many times mm -hmm. for the con, mm -hmm. and I have uh, I have expectations, rightly or wrongly, I have them, um, and I I kind of hope for a little more bang for my buck, if if okay. you will. Yeah. I, I expect things to be a little more exciting and a little more um, decked out, a little more decorated. I, I really feel like they kind of just squeak this in under the wire. Because, oh yeah, hey, we got a show coming up. We got to do something. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it could have actually, not glad that it would have been lower, but glad <laughs> to hear that, that you actually have that, that in, in your mind. That's, that's good to know. Well, you got COVID, so it's an F. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one question off the top of your head, and then I, I think we'll probably look to wrap up. What is the single biggest improvement you think that Reed Pop could make for Star Trek Mission Seattle on communication? Like I said, I'm a, yeah. I'm a planner. Give me the information months in advance, not days in advance. Dan, what about you? Yeah, uh, communication, but in the in the way of have a pretty even flow of announcements. Don't do two announcements and then have nothing for seven months and then have twenty. Have an even flow so that as the prep as the buildup for the convention is is continuing, you've got a pretty solid and constant um, breaking news information of, of attendees and, and what's going to be going on at the convention. I'm going to break my own rule and I'm going to pick two things. I'm going to say scheduling and communications. Um, and I mean, both in, in the show program and in, in, in scheduling your vendors mm -hmm. uh, and communicating to both parties, fans and, and, exhibi and exhibitors alike. So um, definite room for improvement. Um, unfortunately, because it is in Seattle next year, which is clearly the opposite corner of the country from us, and it is on Memorial Day weekend, it's probably not a good chance you're going to see Trek Geeks at Star Trek Mission Seattle. And yep. Ron, I think that knowing what you do, I yeah, no, think I that not Memorial Day weekend's pretty big for you. Yeah, I, I will say is as critical as we've been at the event and as I've been, it's if it was at a time of year that I could get away from work, I would absolutely 100% be Same. there and i've been to seattle I it's agree. a nice city it's not at the top of my visitation list um, but i would be there yeah the six and a half hour flight is not one i'd, I'd look forward <laughs> to but uh, no. any other time of year i'd consider it dan yeah i i absolutely agree it, it's 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 hard when you're 
as far away from it as you can possibly be in the United States, uh, continental United States. But then again, the big thing is the Memorial Day weekend. I mean, that's just for, I understand that they're probably saving some money by having it on a holiday weekend, but for somebody who has family that does stuff on holiday weekends, that's just not, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. Let's pick one of the biggest travel and tourism weekends of the year where hotel prices are usually a lot higher and then book a convention so we can have even higher hotel rates. Right. Sounds yeah. sounds ideal, doesn't it? That was very I was very sad to see that that announcement to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, although Ron, I got to say you uh, you stumbled across that information pretty covertly. I was like an eagle. <laughs> I know, and we knew about it about an hour before it was announced. So, good for you, man. Mr. Mr. Convention is Mr. Convention. It helps to get his ear to the have ground. Coffee early and stay vigilant whenever you're anywhere in that convention space. <laughs> so, Rod, as we mentioned earlier on, you have a brand new podcast here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network called ConPod. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it and where you hope to to take it from here now that you got a couple yeah. episodes under your belt? So we're three episodes in right now, and it's just purely a podcast focused on Star Trek conventions and the convention community. Um, so helping people plan for the events as they come up, getting some insider information. Um, our next episode, we're talking to a gentleman who has a fantastic Las Vegas podcast. Uh, you know, the Vegas convention is the next big one. It's going to be on the strip for the first time. So I know when I've done the convention in Vegas in the past, I don't leave the hotel. Uh, it's a little bit off the strip. This time it's right there in the middle of everything. So what is there that Trekkies need to get out and see that's that's different and new? Um, so always looking at different perspectives. And it's just a lot of fun. I love talking conventions and planning for them. So let's do it together. I think that's fantastic. And Dan, um, I have a feeling we're going to have to listen to this before we go to Vegas because it's been a while. Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the coolest thing about this new podcast, Ron, is is there are different aspects of Star Trek everywhere. There are, there are different topics that you can talk about. To have a show like yours on our network, to specifically talk about conventions, no matter where they are, is very, very exciting. Because like I've been talking about tonight, I've only been to Vegas and now Chicago. Other than that, I have no clue what some of these other conventions are like. So I'm really looking forward to, to listening in. Well, Ron, congrats on your brand new show. Uh, here's to many, many, many more episodes. And um, we'll we'll promise to 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 get lots of good info from Vegas while we're there for you. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me on the network. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward Just to it. Just keep those royalty checks coming. Yeah. <laughs> Just give it a couple <laughs> weeks. Give it a couple weeks. What? <laughs> well, oh, you didn't know about that? I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> Wow, I can see that somebody's going to be off the network pretty soon, and his name is Dan Davidson. (laughs) Well, and of course, Dan, we want everyone to check out ConPod, Ron's Mm. new podcast, all about conventions. Absolutely. And with uh, Vegas coming in just just like four months or less, um, it's it's going to be a a more important resource than ever to uh, to prep and and to do Vegas the right way. So you can find it pretty much on every platform there is or um, check out over at TrekGeeks.com. Absolutely. Always great to have Ron on the show. He's so much fun. He's so full of energy. Always has great comments about things that he sees at conventions that not everybody else would see. So getting that that conversation here uh, on the flagship was was pretty darn special. It really is. And I, I can't wait to uh, to see where his podcast goes because I know it's going to be one that people really enjoy. First two episodes are great. So uh, hope everybody checks it out. Of course, um, we also have to say it was great to see our friends, the band Five Year Mission, in person for the first time in five years. Five, I was going to say it's been even longer than it was Fancast because they didn't. We didn't see them in Vegas for a couple of years. So yeah, it's been five five years. Five years for Five Year it's Mission. Like the, 
the original series, uh, original mission. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you mean like <laughs> the five year mission? Wow. I know, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, I mean, they killed it as the house band. Oh. They even played the theme for the Trek Geeks podcast on stage, which of course is their song, The Cage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just what a great weekend. Um, if you haven't already, we tell you every week, head on out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their albums. And in fact, you know what? Check out their Patreon because they have a special live album coming soon. And that's the best way to get it. So uh, fiveyearmission.net, go get all their stuff and sign up for that Patreon, yo. Show that band some love. Absolutely. We love them. It was so great to hang out with the team. Uh, the whole band was there. They were all there. It was so great. Yo, it's been far too long, like you said, five years, like the five-year mission uh anyway hanging out with the boys was awesome but it was also awesome like you just said bill to have them as the house band and even more awesome still if you can get more awesome was the fact that the one and only tawny newsom herself jammed on stage with the band on sunday afternoon and that was pretty awesome so all the memories of conventions gone by five-year mission was your house band for Mission Shafarko 2022. Mic drop. I'll just let myself out. I, I wish you would let yourself out. <laughs> Shafarko? I, I, I will say, I got to say, and you know this, so you can't deny it. When we actually rendezvoused with Fark for the first time in five years and had that reunion at our table, he actually said something that was hysterical as a Farkism. And we were all like, oh my God, that's awesome. And I said, I'm going to use that as the Farkism when we do the Chicago wrap up. And I forgot what it was. And I forgot to write it down. And when I asked Fark about it today, he couldn't remember it either. So it's not just me. So don't even think of saying anything. <laughs> no, I wasn't even going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how you haven't seen these guys in five years. Yeah. And the best you could do is Shafark go. That sounds like something Ace Ventura says in the second That's movie. Exactly what I was going for. Absolutely. Yep. Because I kind of did that last time with a little Ace Ventura sound. I know. Uh, see? So, you know, it's I, I have I have plans. They, they're not always good plans. Uh, but their plants have plants they all suck (laughs) suck. i have plants and they all die because i don't water them so but it doesn't matter anyway go what you were saying huh i can see that the covid has gone to your brain (laughs) i have covid fog who are you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm the host of the show uh don't forget you too can support the trek geeks podcast network by subscribing to us on patreon you can get all kinds of uh of exclusive perks and raw audio of our shows, Dan. Yeah. We're just so, so grateful for everyone who supports us. Absolutely. And right now, we want to take a special moment to thank our associate producers of Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they are Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krakor. Excuse me, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar. Had a lot of fun with Tim Serdar at that Mission Chicago. Uh, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. Gracious and wonderful. Both. We also want to th- we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, 
Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shafsky, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Christina's still not on time. Can you believe that? Wow, she's late. Yeah, still late. Wow, nice job, Christina. Still late. And the lovely and talented <laughs> Jess Fashion. Lovely and talented. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the constantly fantastical Jude Tatman. Constantly fantastical. I like that. He is constantly fantastic. That's kind of why I said it. Okay. You too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And, you know, it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, the next time we sit in front of our computers and microphones, you will have returned from Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. And we will be talking about the newest and perhaps one of the most anticipated Star Trek shows ever. Yeah, uh, that's right, man. Uh, This is big. Uh, We've been waiting for this show ever since season two of Star Trek Discovery, and it is finally here. The Enterprise, Captain Pike, Spock, Number One, Cadet Uhura, and all the rest. It's Strange New Worlds. It's here. And we're going to be talking all about it next time on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. And by the way, there may be spoilers, so just a heads up ahead of time. Yeah, and yeah. Th- yeah, maybe. No, there's going to be spoilers. <laughs> I want it to be nice. <laughs> you and I have seen the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot to say. Lots to say. Wow. And we're pretty excited about it. I don't want to bury the lead, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So for more great Star Trek discussion, you know, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We have so many great shows, all created by passionate Star Trek fans who just want to celebrate the franchise and Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or get a link to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. He said no one and you better believe it. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 281 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. COVID nut. No. No, okay. Coconut. No, 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 no. Better. Oh, okay. Better. Coconut. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing, freaking bong. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> no, big bong. <laughs> well, uh, Hi, well, welcome back from the uh, from the infected. Thank you. 
It's good um, to be here. Or at least you are. You were infected. I was not. So for, no. for those who may or, or may not have heard, uh, we went to Mission Chicago. Had a hell of a time. Hell of a time. And uh, we traveled together. Mm-hmm. We stayed in a hotel room together. Mm-hmm. We ate every meal together. Yes. And you came down with COVID-19 and I did not. Yes. I got home Monday afternoon, and as soon as I walked in the door, my wife was in the loft and says, test yourself. And I said, I was going to, my dear. So I went into the bathroom, and I (laughs) took a test, and it was negative, and I celebrated. Definitely, she got infected that night. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. And then the next day, I tested again. Positive. She tested a few days later. Positive. Damn it. When, you're sna- when you're snapping your fingers like that, are you hoping like the Q thing will happen? Uh, or? Well, that's no. disturbing. That's disturbing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, how are you feeling now? I'm feeling fine. I, I I had very luckily I had very mild symptoms. Didn't really have a lot. Have had a little bit of a cough. Had a little bit of um uh, uh one day of extreme tiredness. Just one day. It wasn't really that bad. But um in terms of body aches, didn't have any of that. I am having a little bit of a cough today. Several you know a week and a half after the fact. Um, but I feel fine. The the weirdest thing that happened during this entire process is I lost my sense of smell one day. For several days, and then the next day, I lost. Uh, excuse me, I lost my sense of taste. The first day, uh, the second day of, of having this, and then the next day, I lost my sense of smell. So I didn't have either of those for like three days. That is the weirdest thing I have ever encountered. It was very strange. I, I can only imagine because everything tastes like nothing at that point. Like nothing. The only the only good thing about it is we went to the dump on Saturday. <laughs> and as you know, because you go to the same landfill, yeah. it's not a very pleasant smelling place. And I no. couldn't I couldn't tell. I was like, oh, ah, nothing. It's kind of like standing downwind from you on an airplane. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or upwind because, you know, it's that strong. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, but that came back. Um, everything's fine now. Uh, I feel fine. And uh, here we are. Yeah. She, Sue's feeling great. And here's an e- even weirder thing since we're yeah. talking about COVID. Completely separate because we had not seen them, of course, because we were in Chicago. My brother in law and sister got it at the same time. Totally weird. Very strange. So yeah. we came home and I tested negative. I tested negative all week long. Uh, I think it was five different tests I took mm-hmm. um, three home and two at, at, at the local pharmacy. Yeah. And I got to eight days past and I, f- I was still pulling a negative and Kelly was still pulling a negative and we said, all right, we guess, Good. I guess we're dodging a bullet. So we played a Powerball and nothing happened. <laughs> Good. Well, I would have been, I would have been the cause if you won Powerball when you think about it. So I would have been, you know, privy to a percentage of that as a finder's fee, maybe. Uh, no, you would, no, you would not have been the cause. You would have been the cautionary tale. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Uh, because you are a cautionary uh, tale. Uh, uh, caution to the wind. Uh, is that? A, did I say that right? I think I yeah, did actually. Well, well, right. Uh, Not in the right context, cor- but still. Correct phrase, improper yes. context. That's all right. That's what I do. That's my I thing. I think the listeners of Trek Geeks have come to realize this from you uh, pretty much <laughs> all the time. Yeah. It's, it's what makes it so f- much fun. Is it though? <laughs> I say, is that what makes it? Uh, you know, I think it's just our pedantic banter back and forth. Ooh. Pedantic psychobabble. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I think that in in the post Chicago, um, you know, analysis, mm-hmm. I think the thing that surprised me the most were the number of people who came to our our table in the in the vendors hall 
who had never heard of podcasts or didn't realize there were Star Trek podcasts. Yeah. I was really blown away by that. There were a lot. There were lots. And it was, and and I got to say, I'm going to give you credit. Like I always do credit where it's deserved. It was your idea to get a booth there so that we could be in one location so that people could come meet us and we could meet people and reunite with people. And it was fantastic. It worked perfectly. We had an unbelievable amount of people come to our booth to talk to us, to say hi, to introduce themselves. And like you said, a lot of people had no idea what, what it even was. Um, so we were able to educate a few people. We probably got some listeners, which probably by now have already decided, no, they're crazy. I'm not going to listen to those guys. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. it was awesome. It was really fantastic. I um, I, I, I think that su- Saturday was the biggest blur. It was by far the busiest day of the convention. Mm-hmm. You and I started at the table at 9 a.m. local time. Yeah. Because it opened early for VIP access right. uh, by, by an hour. And by the time you and I looked up again, it was 3 p.m. And- we hadn't had the opportunity to step away all day long. All day long. And I was wearing my Admiral uniform that day with my dress shoes, which I have not worn because of the oh, pandemic in two years. Right. That By the end of the day, I had some barking dogs, let me tell you. Uh, woof, woof. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But it was worth it because I felt great in that Admiral uniform. I liked it. <laughs> you looked amazing. And then Thank you opened you. your mouth. And, and then it was just all gone <laughs> Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Wait. 5.35. 5.35. <laughs> I <laughs> write that down. I anything to write that down with. That's uh, all right. I'll write it down and remind you. You know what? I'll send it to you in an instant message because, you know, technology. How about that? Yeah. Boom. Sent. I, I, and I still screwed it up. I did 5Z35. So there you go. You're such an idiot. <laughs> Jeez! Wow. So sorry that we didn't that we didn't get to uh, to um, feel your ear holes with our sounds, listeners, last week. But uh, yeah, I was I was feeling a little. I think Wednesday was the day that I was. Or Tuesday or Wednesday was the day that yeah. I really wasn't wasn't up to snuff and was very tired. So, but here we well, are. Well, and it made sense to just hold off. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I could have done the show without you. It would have been amazing. <laughs> um, I'm sure. <laughs> wow, what a jerk. <laughs> But I didn't lie, though. That's no, the thing. you didn't. That's the thing. And and you're right. It's not that you didn't lie. You weren't wrong either. No, <laughs> I, you know, it's um, it it was really great to get to Chicago. It makes me mm. look even even more forward to Las Vegas. In oh August. yes, yep. Um, be awesome. Regardless of how that looks, and I've said this, I said this all weekend long in Chicago. I've said it on this show before. If I have to go to Vegas dressed like John Travolta and the Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Mm-hmm. That's how I'll be there. I would rather go as John Travolta dressed in Saturday Night Fever, but I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, but you, if I dress that way, I'm not <laughs> going to really be protected from any virus. Yeah, but you'll look good. Maybe that's how you got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you looked good on Saturday. I did. That's right. That's you right. Felt, you felt like crap by Sunday. There uh, you go. That's right. I did start feeling a little little tickle in the throat on Sunday. I blame, Starf- I blame Starfleet. I do, too. They're, they're 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 everybody's problem. Freaking Starfleet. <sighs> what can you do? What can you do? But it's good to be back. And I it is, to, and I leave for Disney in a few days, so you know, win win. <laughs> uh, and I won't have you around, so win win win. Win 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 is an office. Yeah, reference. you'll still hear from you'll me get all there. the time. You know there. So for the for the plane, mm. um, do you normally watch stuff on your own? Um. Yes. Yep. Start downloading episodes of The Office there, Freak. So, yes. I actually, well, I have it all on my Plex now, so I actually could do that. Um, yeah. Uh, we did pull up the one last night it was on TV, so I had Sue watch it where uh, where Dwight karate chops Michael. 
<laughs> the fight. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. I love that. And yeah. they have this fight at the dojo. Yep. Yeah. What a fight. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She actually snickered a few times. So, you know, I'm getting, she's getting there. She's getting there. It's great stuff. Well, you, we were watching it in the office on the, on the flight Fuck home. Exact same time. And I was trying to explain to my wife what it's like to watch something with you when you were just dying of laughter because you literally will slap anything that's in your way, almost like a knee slapping. And I had to try to not be loud because it was a plane, but I like kind of like <laughs> laughed loud and I couldn't, but oh my God, those episodes we watched on the plane were just hysterical. The wedding. Oh, Phillips' oh, wedding. Yeah, oh you have God. a very animated and boisterous <laughs> laugh. Um, very much like your dad in that sense, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dad um, used to bang his feet and s- slam the chair and everything. I, yeah. We had an empty seat between us, <laughs> and you were still slapping me on the arm and leg when some, when you were just dying to laugh. <laughs> It was good, yeah, and it was hilarious. And I and I will say that I showed Sue that episode of Phyllis's wedding, and she didn't crack a smile once. Wow, yeah, I see. It's 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 just different humor to different people, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but it yeah, is. that's my kind of humor, though. Well, Hello. you're in for a great ride with the office. So good, yeah, good. download that crap to your iPad. All right, man. <laughs> All right, so you uh, you ready to to to? Do you remember how to podcast? I remember how to talk Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Love that band. <laughs> Dan, you're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. Hmm. No, you're not. I just no, want you to bring feeling to my life. That's all I got to say. Thank you're you. the inspiration. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Spotify bounces us I, for that. I, that was two you. notes. I was like, not even name that tune could have gotten that Spotify. So take that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was looking to see how long you were going to stew. I was just about to say the Trek Geeks podcast. Is <laughs> I know. Well, I, I think in the, if if I'm not mistaken, in the template. Oh, no. See, I thought I had stricken that out in the template. It might have been. Uh, no, I, I maybe it was at one point. It is not now. Okay. But we should remove that from the template since yeah. we just reused the pre-roll. It's agreement. nice to see it every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to see, you know, some intelligence from you every once in a while, but that's not bloody likely either. Oh, that's crazy. Here we go.